Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're off. Yay. Um, so I'm just going to apologize straight off the bat. I'll be sniffing. I will not be able to say the letter N at any stage. <laughs> or D. Well, fine. When you say... Uh-huh. Yeah, fine. D. I won't say D. I, I, I want someone to do a super cut of every time a podcast host is like, I'm so sorry that I have this respiratory Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. During I know. our recording. <laughs> Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour, the only musical theater podcast with root beer floats and musical notes. Come through rhyming. <laughs> We've gone beyond alliteration. Jimmy wrote that one and, and nominate him now for the annual Stephen Sondheim Rhyme Award. Thank you. <laughs> I will take that root beer floats and musical notes. That flows really nicely. It does. That ha- it's. And that's a thing that, 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 that I, I that, 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 like that's beautiful. Yeah, I don't. I never know the right word for it, but I think like one of the things a lot of lyricists get wrong about rhymes is they get the the actual like sounding alike of the syllables correct, but then the meter of the rhyming words is incorrect. Which like I do think a rhyme to call it a rhyme, you need both. As in, like, you wouldn't say this like that. You Like, you couldn't say, the way you... uh, if it was just the only musical theater podcast with root beer floats and notes, it wouldn't be as good of a rhyme as, as musical notes. root beer floats and musical notes. Yes. Sorry, what I thought you were talking about was that other thing that Sandy talks about, where it's like, when you're scoring a uh-huh. word, you put the intonation where the intonation would go in the word. Yes. So, so like, yes. anticipation, your uh, double note would be on pay. Right, yeah. Like, you you put the, you'd write the rhythm of the word as it's naturally written. Yes. And if you don't do that, then it sounds stilted. Exactly, it just sounds odd and bad. Yeah. And that happens a lot. It happens a lot, and I will say, this will be a conversation I imagine we'll come back to about this show. Hooray! Foreshadowing! Um, so yeah, root beer floats, never had one. Um, what are you drinking? Uh, clearly a whole bowl of gazpacho. <laughs> you ever had gazpacho? No. It sounds... I am mildly allergic to tomatoes to begin with. Oh gosh, rash? Uh, yeah, I turn red, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so I would be nervous around gazpacho. Um, yeah. But oh my god, sounds unappealing. Violet but, Beauregard, right, yes, turns violet, right? Tommy Ato, <clears throat> Tommy Ato turns. Yeah, your last name is Ato. <laughs> Clearly, you're Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. Return red with its There's something there. There's something there. Call rolled off. Uh, yep. <laughs> what are you drinking today? Um, I am drinking uh, uh, some sangria. There you go. Clearly. It's divine. It's delish. In fact, I had sangria and gazpacho for the first time together at the same time. Really? I yeah. do. I do love sangria. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what, what more could you want from a exactly. drink? You ever been to Spain? I've not been to Spain. Cool. I would love to go. It's nice. Speaking of Spain, you have a quiz question for us. I do, I do. Uh, I'll say it in Spanish now. Uh, <laughs> in what show does Miss Patty Lapone do her best Elphaba impression and fly at the end of Act One? What could it be? I think it's women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Okay, women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Women on the, on the verge of title. a nervous breakdown. Uh, not should we call it, it women? I, you know, but even if you call it women, are you talking about uh, little women? Um, like True. I, I see it shortened to either women on the verge or on the verge a lot of times. On the verge, um, I like that. But still, not. I'm going to call it uh-huh. nervy break. Nervy break. <laughs> yeah. Um, music and lyrics by David Yazbek. Book by Jeffrey Lane. Based on a, a Spanish uh, language film by Pedro Almodovar from 1988. That's pretty good. That was good, Tommy. Thank well you. Done. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it had its premiere on Broadway um, in the Lincoln Center uh, in 2010, and, and didn't it do very well. It didn't. It wasn't there well. <laughs> it was, it not, was not there well. It was. It was slated for a limited engagement <coughs> to begin with, yep. and still closed early. <laughs> Yeah, 69 performances, I think it was. Oh, woof. Yeah. It's not many. No. Um, And then it opened up here, uh, which is a surprise, um, in 2015. Yeah, somewhat somewhat revised, correct? And I think we're going to talk about that. Heavily revised, which we will talk about, yeah. Um, And yeah, so it it follows the plot of the film quite closely. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a bit wackadoo. A bit wackadoo is a good way to describe it. Yeah. I'm not going to get into the intricacies of it because there's lots of them. Yeah. Um, But basically, it kind of follows the life of this woman, Peppa, who is a a film dubber. Yeah. She dubs, you know, a voice actor in a film. Um, And she is trying to track down her uh, lover who's left her. Um, And 
it kind of just gets caught up in a whole bunch of mayhem. In a lot of farcical mayhem centered around yeah. pretty much the, the, the women that her lover has loved. <laughs> yeah, basically, just uh, the women that are in her life, whether orbitally or yeah. intricately. It, eventually ending up chronicling the, you know crazy ridiculousness that i would say what maybe these four main character women have to live through in their lives and how it pushes you to the verge of a nervous breakdown exactly exactly um so it's madcap shall we dive in let's dive right in curse splash So, this is our first Yazbek. This is our first Yazbek. Uh, he, man, have you looked at his, uh, I, I haven't actually looked at his Broadway pedigree all written down next to itself until the right? show. He only works on movie adaptations. The Full Monty, Dirty Rotten yep. Scoundrels, yep. Women on the Verge, yep. The Band's Visit, Tootsie. That's interesting. Yeah. That's it. Only movie adaptations. Uh. He's got a couple other things here and there, but that's his his Broadway stuff. Um, the first thing I ever heard of David Yazbek mm-hmm. was, of course, where, where in the world in is Carmen Sandiego? Where in the world Sandiego? is Carmen Sandiego? Which, you know, it, if you don't know Yazbek's style, or like can't quite pin it, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego is a good starting point. Exactly. Like, Just it, it, from then to now. Yep. Tight, unexpected rhymes, like wonderful, you know, as as maybe we mentioned briefly, unless Jimmy cut it out of the episode, Um, the like that tight scanning of rhymes and like coupled rhymes over the end of a line to the beginning of a line, Um, like it's it's beautiful stuff. And you can see it in things that he's done that people really like and things that he's done that people don't really like. Yeah, totally. Um. He yeah, because he is very is very much a consistent um, music and lyricist. Yes, yes, he will very do both. Much. And I think even in spite of him having a style very much in that like Sondheim esque way, still each of his pieces very much has its own appropriate musical sound. 
For the most part. For the most part. You can see still... It has a distinct musical sound. Yes. But there's so much crossover. Oh, yes. Oh, there's parts of... I mean, there's parts of Women on the Verge that, like, sound like underscoring lifted directly from Dirty Round Scoundrels. Like, note Completely. for note. Um, and, like, down to instrument choice and rhythmic choice. Yeah. And what is interesting is, like, his style is very unique, so I don't mind it as much. It is very I much his own. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I wanted to talk about this a bit because it's... It, it's a, it's such a strange one because you would think any sort of uh, replication between mm-hmm. musical um, would be a bad thing because you're not really you're not being original you're right. contriving from your own yeah thing. you're not you're not being appropriate to the source material exactly yeah now I'd say there's no bigger culprit of this than Stephen Sondheim himself yeah sure. You know, there's there's bits you'll be listening to "Merrily We Roll Along" and then you'll get lost and you'll suddenly be listening to "Assassins." Right. There's so much that's the exact. You know, I mean, it's not even like little bits. Yeah. It's just like complete I would, crossover. I would say, and I wonder if it is just because of Sondheim's compendium of work and much longer writing career than Yazbek. Like, mm-hmm. Full Monty mm-hmm. was 2000 and Tootsie was just this year, so we're only talking yeah. about two decades. Um, like, in Sondheim, I can still, like, and maybe it's because I've been mired in it so much and I've convinced myself that they're different. Um, but, like, between, you know, early work and later work, I hear distinctive voice come out and change and mold and craft um, you know, even even between the fifteen different versions of bounce, like mm-hmm. you can hear, I can hear, and maybe I'm making it up, slight differences in style that are distinct. Whereas with Yazbek, there are like dun 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 dun, like distinct rhythms and instrumental choices that you know, if I heard out of nowhere and was like this is from a new musical i would be like oh did david yazbeck write it <laughs> yeah whereas like yeah, i don't completely. know if i could i don't know if i could do that with sondheim and maybe that's also just because so many people have imitated sondheim sound mm-hmm. whereas yazbeck potentially is i don't know i feel like this is something i would love to do at one point is just sit down and pull them all out mm-hmm. like all of these times that i've been like that and a lot of them come back to assassins, yeah, which true. I find quite odd and yeah. merrily. Yeah. Those two seem to be at the core. Um, because Sunday does it, Sunday does uh, it, yeah. Sweeney Todd doesn't really do Sweeney it, Sweeney Todd doesn't do it as much. Into the Woods doesn't do it as it's, much. No, Into the Woods does it, does for you, it, it does. really doesn't it for really me. It really does. Um, yeah, I just feel there's those no, but what I'm saying here is I don't, it's actually to me, it's not a bad thing, right? Well, it, <clears> because it's, it's all good stuff, right? It doesn't seem inappropriate for wherever it's used whether it's Sondheim or Yazbek absolutely absolutely and so I think that's that's the thing is is that I feel um you know some people could say oh he just writes the same thing over and over again but it's it's not it just always feels distinct compared to say like Jerry Herman um taking uh we need a little christmas and turning turning it into it takes a woman between right, him yeah. and hello dolly right yeah like he just had a tune that he liked and that tune was appropriate for the kind of song that he wanted this to be uh-huh you know and yeah but that's the thing though is like through orchestrations and through you know backing and everything mm-hmm. like that and you know mixing up voices they become very distinct songs, even though they are li- they are literally the same. literally the same song even and like maybe less of a lifted 
uh, melody note for note, but listen to the title songs of Mame and Hello Dolly, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely, exactly the damn same. And Completely. you don't like. I think you know if if we're creating a scale, Jerry Herman is on the you know far ten end of that, and like yeah. Sondheim and Yazbek fall a little further back towards maybe six or seven. Yeah, but I I don't know. I just I think it, it's just a sign of a a good composer maybe because I I think like Bill Finn does it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listen to Spelling Bee, if you listen to some of um, falsettos, there's a lot of crossover there. A new brain, yeah. A new brain just feels like a training ground for for uh, everything. Spelling Do you know what I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, it it makes you wonder about musical theater composing, like mm. because we are such a small sample size to begin with. Exactly. You know, I, I've tried to – It's it's been a draft script of mine for years, and I can never quite get it out. Um, but, like, diagnosing what is the quote-unquote musical theater sound, mm. and there – the once you start diving into it, there isn't one. You just get the sound of particular popular composers exactly. who have done so much that then people imitate. Yeah. Um you know, and and then you point at that, which then people qualify as a musical theater sound, but it's really just, you know, lifting Cole Porter or lifting Rodgers and Hammerstein or Completely. whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everything came from, which then could probably go right back and be like, well, they're just lifting it from. Right. Uh, you know, the vaudeville uh, stuff at the time. Or, yeah, Gilbert and Sullivan. Exactly. Like, right. Um, you know, how, how, like, is the musical theater sound just, I am the very model of a modern major general down the telephone line (laughs) yeah exactly exactly which i think is just really funny yeah um yeah to think about but no i just feel yeah with yazbek i think it is quite apparent even you know with something like the band's visit Mm -hmm. which is obviously very inspired by a certain sound yes for sure in the same way that uh women on the verge is also very inspired by this kind of latin sound latin sound yeah uh they're still all this similar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, you know I mean? listen to Welcome to Nowhere from the band's visit and, you know, Women on the Verge from On the Verge. Yeah. It's, it's like he's doing what Herman did with It Takes a Woman and We Need a Little Christmas. Yeah. Not quite as closely, but this is how he writes that kind of song. Exactly. And that new one, um, we talked about it in Tony's episode, uh, the one in Tootsie, uh, the, one in Tootsie, the Patrick which I, song. Which I can't remember right now. But, oh man, yeah, yeah hold that up to uh, model behavior. Yeah. Um, word same, for word. Same song, yeah. <laughs> same, Although, song same idea. <laughs> I, I challenge anyone, no one is more consistent and effective with their patter songs than Tony Yazbek. Uh, David Yazbek. I'm going to do that yeah. a couple more times in the show. <laughs> That's okay. Who's Tony Yazbek? He's an actor. Um, he oh, was okay. in... I don't think they're related... <laughs> Um, Tony Asbeck is uh, was in on the town in the recent revival. Oh, was, I see. He was in Finding Neverland. Um, you know, he's done a bunch of other stuff. So they live in the same corner of my brain. <laughs> I mean, there's not many Asbecks out there. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I've got you six, would. Yeah, I've got sixty of them in my closet right now. No, um, oh. but big weekend. Um, <laughs> I will. I. I more like Yazbek's patter songs are the most consistently brilliant totally patter songs in all of musical theater and at the moment i would say not done very often in auditions so if you need one for your book true yeah get them in there yeah and and i will say well 
I'd have to take a look a little closer because people say, no, you know, don't do Sondheim at auditions because mm-hmm. you don't want to challenge your accompanist. And I think I would wonder if that like that was advice given to me when I was in high school. And I wonder if some of that advice has fallen by the wayside simply because of Sondheim's popularity. Um, yeah. Well, uh, the one the one that I always hear is don't, don't do Jason Robert Brown. Right. Because you don't because want to he throw that at a, your accompanist. A dick when it comes to piano, right. yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I wonder if there's a market for that. We should tell, because Jason Robert Brown is picky about these things, he should write a, like, piano vocal book of his songs with, like, simple piano. <laughs> yeah, like four auditions. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I bet you he'd sell hundreds of copies. Yeah, he uh, totally would. He totally but I, would. I wonder how, like, how much for a loop you're throwing your accompanist if you throw Yazbek at them. Because I bet you they don't know it. Like... Well, this is it. And, you know, when you're dealing with Latin rhythm, although I guess for this, it, it, it follows the kind of Latin sound yeah, and quite certainly, well. It certainly so if you've flows. got a vibe for that, yeah, and then you could probably work it. Yeah. And, like, even yeah. I would say Yazbek's patter songs are more predictable in melody and structure than, like, sometimes a tonal bullshit (laughs) no completely because it very much the the rhythm is a riff yeah do you know what i mean that will slightly change chord and i mean i do think that's his success is is the the music goes where you expect it to and the lyrics often the content of the lyrics Mm. don't go where you expect them to exactly exactly like they're very much yeah it's it's traditional patter song in Mm -hmm. the sense that it is complete wordplay um but then it's we're, a lot of fun. But then we're going to take two stanzas about a raisin and a spider. Like, yes, totally. But it it works. It works so well. <laughs> like that's the thing. It doesn't. And it seem, still scans. <laughs> and it still scans. And it doesn't seem unlike I would say if we're you know still on the bent of contemporary shows like some of the mm-hmm. lyrics in say Beetlejuice where you know we're we're kind of in that like oh look it's a spork level of humor like yes i'm just gonna say a funny random word because that's the kind of character i am like yes the out of left field stuff that happens in women on the verge still is suitable and appropriate despite it being zany totally totally it's intelligent yes yes and it helps the characters as well like um because yeah if you compare what peppa sings to something that candela sings Mm -hmm. Um, they're very different. Like Peppa's stuff is actually quite artistic and quite yes. metaphorical. Oh yeah, um, Candela's and- stuff is probably a lot more straightforward. Yes, straightforward or like there's not a lot of she doesn't sing in a lot of metaphor. She really doesn't. Where you know, uh, 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 Peppa has a full. I mean, you know, uh, what is it called? Love struck, love sick, love sick. Um, yeah. And uh, not Castle on a Cloud. Man, I won't know the names of any of the songs. <laughs> Are you talking about Island? <laughs> Island, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, is full full on metaphor, like an yeah, island in the clouds totally. with extra closet space. Like totally, it's and so it, it just it, it's great because it it shows you instantly. Like Peppa is the kind of the smart one in the friend group, right? And Candela. Is a bit less so, but has yeah. lots of heart. It's, yeah, you know, yeah, sweet I mean, th- and relatable. That is that is a good sign of a, of a clever character lyricist Completely. that you can you know match words to that. Um, yep. You know, I I put this in the show notes because I want to talk about it, but I encourage people to do this with any good lyrics that they enjoy to explore the internal rhymes. This yes. is there's a stanza from Lovesick where Peppa says, "You think that Cupid's got a bow? Well, no, 
Cupid's got a needle. It'll find a vein. Careful, because you'll bleed a little. I love this tiny little phrasing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because, like, there's the end of line, got a bow, well, no, end of line, beginning of a line rhyme, which we then do again, not with a rhyme, but with some, uh, it's not alliteration, because it's in the middle, but Cupid's got a needle, it'll find a vein, and then uh, needle, little, Needle, it'll rhymes with bleed a little, which is such when you when you split the rhyme at the line break, it is such a little clever twist of a thing that, you know, if you're listening to it for the first time, of course, you don't notice, but just gives you that tinge of like this. Oh, I under, this is a funny song. This is a, a clever song, a comedic song, but not doesn't need to be laugh out loud funny in this moment. Like th- this, the, these lines perfectly capture, I think, some of the core totally. of the success of the show. There's also um, in uh, model behavior, even just the simple like um, uh, matador and metaphor mm-hmm. um, it is, it is like there's just l- tiny little clever lines in here that aren't lazy. Um, yeah, like our, all the steady trickle from the umbilical. Yeah, like. Um, this, if you are a, a musical theater student or studying musical theater history or anything, it is totally worth it to get the libretto in front of you and get a couple different colored pens and circle every rhyme that you can find, um, yeah. even if they're on opposite sides of the song, because you may find that they've put the same rhyme in each verse on the second line, um, which isn't an ABAB rhyme. Like there's, you know, really, really deep rhymes that happen all the time. Um, yeah. That are so, like, as someone who from time to time makes parody songs on the internet, I think one of the, the, one of the things I try and do and one of the things that makes a good parody song for me is to not only keep the rhyming scheme the same as it is in the original song, but also attempt to rhyme and match the words that already exist in the lyrics you're parodying. Yes. Um, like, this totally. is what makes a good Forbidden Broadway song, like... You know, the, this is where the cleverness comes, and it, it is work that is hidden, and so mm-hmm. you're not supposed to see it, and so it's worth it to go in and study it. And things like, you know, I made a, a I think, less articulate tweet about it, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, because most of my tweets are pretty articulate, um, <laughs> but in um, It Justifies the Beans, um, only three more tries and we'll have our prize when the ends and sights you'll right, realize yeah. at the end, and yeah. it's not even that, there's like seven rhymes in a row there um and i've listened to into the woods a bazillion times and didn't even notice that that rhyming line began as early as it did yeah because it just flows so well and when it when it flows well like that you don't even think about it you just don't it just it just glides through you and it feels great yeah i mean you're enjoying the song you don't really know why yeah Yeah. Um, it's interesting so um Uh aeneas mitchell Mm -hmm. weirdly um posted a thing on Instagram the other day. Okay. Um, and it was a quote. Uh, I don't know if it's her quote or somebody else. doesn't say who it's attributed to. It, said, it says, wordplay is not the same thing as poetry. Oh, I saw that. Yes. Right? And I, think, I thought that was really interesting because I get it. I totally yeah. get it. But I think with musical theatre writing, yeah. like good musical theatre writing sits in between the two of them. Uh, ooh. That, someone framed that and put it on Tumblr. Um... <laughs> Yeah, because that I mean? absolutely because that gets to you know Sondheim talks about it being his uh, uh, problems with Oscar, um, 
was that like his lyrics for West Side Story were, you know, far too metaphorical and languid and like yep. written down. They looked like poetry and sung. They just seemed kind of bullshitty. Um, yep. And then I think for a while Sondheim kind of, you know, swung the pendulum in the opposite direction. And I think you're right that it does sit right in the middle of those two things. Music, good yeah. musical theater, lyric writing. Just straddles it nicely. Yeah. Um, and I, I would honestly say that I think David Yazbek does it very, very well in this show. I think he does it very well. I'm interested, and we'll talk about this later, hashtag Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I wonder sometimes if some of the... I wouldn't say ease, because none of these lyrics are particularly easy, or mm -hmm. f frankly, I would wager memorable, um, mm -hmm. may have something to do with how critics felt about the show and how shortly it played. Yes. Was that a segue? It can be. Let's get I on. Here we go. I think it was. <laughs> I think it was. So yeah, this didn't do too well on no. its first outing. Did no, it? it did not. And I don't, <laughs> I don't often talk about this, and I don't always seek out, you know, and if we're being proper, an archival recording of productions when we're mm -hmm. working on this. But this one is a little, I think, hard to follow on just the cast album. And so I was looking for one. It's hard to find. <laughs> yeah, it is. And certainly in its entirety, I've never found it. Yeah, there and and because what it only played? What did we say? Sixty nine shows. 69, um, yeah, you know this was a flash in the pan. And I think interesting that it is still. I don't think it has had a great life beyond um, its closing, but still isn't totally gone. Like there are some shows that are totally like no one talks about Amazing Grace anymore. Um, yeah, like, scandalous. Yeah, all sorts of flops that are gone. Woman on yeah. the Verge is still around, which is fascinating yeah. to me. Um, I, 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 I wonder if that's because of the film. Like, the film is, is popular. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, uh, so many people have seen that film. The film is popular, um, and I watched a bunch of clips. It's very funny. It's a um, great film. It's, it's a really good film. It's really, um, really good. Um, and this production was... <laughs> Wikipedia puts it very nicely. Um Wikipedia says the show baffled critics. <laughs> yes, uh -huh. um, and I found I think it was Broadway World's rundown of all the contemporary reviews. Mm -hmm. Can I read you some of them? Please do. There's. Can you read Ben Brantley's closing? Paragraph? Oh, I don't know if this favorite. is. I don't know if this is the 
closing paragraph, but this was the line that stuck out to me from Ben Branley yeah. of the New York Times. Miss Scott, Miss Lapone, and Mr. Mitchell, marvelous though they all have been elsewhere, here seem to be preoccupied with other matters, like where they'll be having dinner after the show. In that sense, I identified with them completely. Yep. That was his closing paragraph of the review. Oh, man. <laughs> That's baiting. And actually quite insulting. Like this because... is why I'm like the times when I'm nervous that I'm gonna become a critic. I then remember like, oh no, I'm not like mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like because that's that's they're insulting them as a professional, right? Like you, you can I think, and I think this is something we strive to do, and is I wish was more of a a virtue of people who talked about musical theater. But, Mm -hmm. like, you can talk about a show critically and negatively without being a dick about it. Unless it's Cats. Unless it's Cats. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's a one exception. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, yeah, you're completely right. Like, it's... It's it's art we're talking about here. Right. So you have to be objective. Yeah. And part of it is like, you know, like people love reading this stuff from Ben Brantley, right? Because yes. because it's salacious, because exactly. it's gossip, right? It's and that's, that's stupid. Um, you know, but like it, it it's not a helpful review. No. Do you know what I mean? It just it feels like a bitch fest and it's not doesn't really tell me enough about the show right. that would make me A, want to see it or not want to see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't and, win on it enough. And across the board, I mean, um, <laughs> here, let's find something a little more credible. Um, Variety, Steve Suskin. Blessed with some delicious performances and any number of items of interest, but the result can be summed up as a women, as women and men on the verge of a coherent musical. Um, you know... <laughs> Less credible. Showbiz 411. They all try valiantly to rescue this piece of sludge, a show that is so misorganized that it's almost like an SAT tra- test to try and reorder the scenes to make the show make sense. Dear. Uh, New York sludge. One Time Out magazine. There's a 20-foot-high recipe for gazpacho printed on the curtain that rises on Lincoln Center Theater's Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. If only a giant recipe for making a decent musical had been available to the makers of this Broadway letdown, which squanders so much stage talent. Like, whoo, man. Yep. That's, you Not know. <laughs> I, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like it either because, right, so the film... It's what like it It's a farce. Mm-hmm. It's a it's out and out farce. Like yeah. farce doesn't often make sense. Yeah, and the thing is, as well, it's like it's not pure farce. No, it's like arty it's, farce. Arty, it's an arty farce. Um, arty farce. And I I, writ, I wrote this down later, but it is you know, and I, maybe we'll come back to this when we're out of the review section. But it is like an yeah. interesting send up of melodrama as a farce. I would yeah, wager. Yeah, yeah, it's quite that. Totally. It, like, it totally it, has that vibe. Like, everything is just a bit heightened. Yeah, it's like a farcical parody of melodrama. And you can look at even the content itself, that, like, Peppa <sighs> is a, you know, dubbing artist for melodramatic films. Like, yeah, completely. Uh-huh, completely. You know, this is written into it. Um, but, oh, man. It, it, yeah, because actually, like, watching, watching the film... Um, like I'm a, I'm a huge David Lynch fan, right? Mm-hmm. Who uses melodrama to great aplomb. Absolutely, in so much of his work. Uh, and there was a few because I don't really know Almodovar's stuff. I just know this, mm-hmm. um, but I know he has like a style. Yeah, uh, 
And I wonder if that's a similar thing, because there were so many times when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this feels a bit lynchy. Yeah. And that is, it is that melodrama where things are just that, it's just too Are just so ridiculous, And the, yeah. the villain twirls his mustache and the damsel in distress jumps out a window, like... Yeah, know, completely. It's, but it's all very sincere. Right. Like, you, you know, Peppa throws her phone out the window, but she absolutely deserved to in those moments. And like... Completely. You know, the... the when a lot of things fall from the sky in this show the shoe and there's suitcases that get thrown out the window at some yep. point yep, um yep, yep. you know but it all seems funny and appropriate at that moment um you know there's even a line in the show um uh in act one where mm-hmm. like um if you if you've only listened to the cast album the plot of the show is a lot more complex than the cast album would lead you to believe um yes there uh peppa leaves a card on a table that gets mistaken as a card for uh real estate listening uh listing and sends her lover's kid to her apartment in a vast mix-up and she realizes this and says i left the card for your dad then your mother swooped in and then somehow you oh it's the classic act one farce complication is a line in this show yep about the classic act one farce complication that happens in this show. And yeah. like, you know, the, it, it seems like a lot of that bouncing around rubbed critics the wrong way. Um, yeah. I, I just, it, it's not, it's, it's not that different from the film, yeah. which makes me be like, well, what are you talking about? Yeah. I think it's a really good adaptation of the I, film. I think it's a good ad- adaptation of the film. I will say Act two, which a lot of uh, reviews bring up, does lose a lot of steam for me yes. um, and fall apart pretty quickly. Like, for me, the climax of the show, they're in Peppa's apartment and the cops come and is perhaps one of the most farcical parts of the show. It is very funny. It is filled with tension. You want to know what's going to happen next. And then yep. Patty Lapone grabs two guns, runs yep. out, and then there's like a car chase scene and then another scene in a, and there's like six more scenes that happen in the show. And at that point I am kind of lost. Um, and as well, I think like, um, tangled up, um, as much as it's a great song, um, there was, I can't remember which pirates of the Caribbean it was. I want to say it was the third one, um, which I've only seen once, which is why I don't remember this, but there's Uh like, the chest with Davy Jones's heart in it, it is, but in fact, the third one, yes. But exactly also what you're the heart itself, and like, is the heart in the chest, and is Davy mm-hmm. Jones on Johnny Depp's side, or yeah. you know, like, who's on whose side? And there's one point where finally, like, all of the highest paid stars in the film stand on the sandbar, and three of them are standing on one side, and three of them are standing on the other side, and it's clearly that was the point where like the script doctors came in and were like, hold on. You have to, like, show people who's versus who. Like, pause, you know, put up the, like, Super Smash Brothers team battle logo so we know who's on red team and who's on blue team. Um, And, like, that's what Tangled Up is in this show. It's a well-written song, and also I don't think serves its purpose entirely well, because you still kind of leave Tangled Up a little bit like, wait, who, who, what? 
But he, yeah. but there, why why do they know this all happened so fast? Yeah. I don't know why. And the song was too catchy for you to actually listen to anything. Right, exactly. And it happened so fast and is filled with such clever wordplay. They're like, oh, no, no, but I just needed to know. Yeah, we're yeah, tangled exactly. up, but I need to know more. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, one of the things that I, I agree with a lot of the reviews on mm-hmm. is uh, the fact that, yeah, they open too many strands yeah. and they don't tie enough of them off. Yeah successfully um and i think that is one of the things because obviously in the film it Mm. is actually very simple and it's very much from uh peppa's point of view Mm -hmm. the whole the whole thing like she is it's it's all centered around her so you don't really find out that much about lucia yeah um you don't really find out a vast amount about candela certainly not about this relationship between ivan Mm. and marcos Mm. um you know that is all woven into the musical right and I get I get the need for that because you can't just have Shuri, Shuri Renee Scott right and just then like on everyone stage else the just whole sort of like, time yeah, yeah dancing around I get yeah. that but yeah. I think they open too many kinds of ones I think in particular the Ivan Marcos father son relationship like yes. that doesn't exist at all in the and film it, and is never really terribly important in the musical. No, not really, because it, the only thing I can see it mm-hmm. lending itself to is so uh, Marcos is quite like sex crazed, mm-hmm. um, and there's a line in the film. I don't know if it's I've never read the script, so I I, I don't know if it's in the the libretto, uh-huh. but um, where his mother Lucia uh-huh. says, "Oh, you're just like your father." Mm. See, and I think there are a couple lines in the in the book of the script where Marco. <laughs> Um, and what's his girlfriend's name? Um, Marce, uh, Marcia, Marcia, Marcy, Marcia, Marcia, um, and Marco's girlfriend. Um, yeah. like Marisa, be, Marisa, they'll be in Peppa's yeah. apartment and, uh, Marisa falls asleep. This is what it is. She falls asleep because she uh-huh. accidentally drinks the gazpacho with the Valium yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, and Peppa or someone makes some comment, um, about to Marco about like does she always snore like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, "Oh, I wouldn't know." And uh, Peppa is like, "Oh, oh, oh, okay." And like they make that comment a couple times about like, yeah. "Oh, you don't sleep together, do you?" Yeah. Um, so you know, <laughs> perhaps almost a reversal in the musical. He's but kind then- of. I know, then why, right? But no, but he's so in love with Candela and well in, in this like inverted commas love that right. happens in two seconds. Yeah. Um, in I think it is it's just that it's the, the sex craze boy who's tries to will stick it in anything. Yes. Yeah. Do you and, know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And I, I think it's Marisa you get the feeling anyway, yeah. um, that she has closed herself off to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end, again, in the end, so the, at the end of the film, it ends with Marisa and uh, Peppa having a conversation on the balcony. Mm-hmm. And Marisa has, uh, she's had a sex dream. And she's mm-hmm. like, I don't really feel like I'm a virgin anymore. Mm-hmm. And then Peppa's like, oh, that's, yeah, you kind of seem a bit chiller. This is great. And then they just have a chat. And then that's how that's how it ends. Yeah. Um, is that how it ends? It's pretty, pretty close to how it ends. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's quite quite funny in a way that you know i do i do think that ending that kind of ending and i think this is one of the struggles with act two is that kind Mm. of ending is very much film funny 
but is n- is more difficult to make musical theater funny. Yeah, because you can't end on a you can't right. end you, on the little you can't, sign. You can't end and like zoom out from the balcony and yeah. like up to an aerial shot of Madrid, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is how that kind of feels like it ends, uh-huh. um, and that's much harder to do in a musical. Yeah, because um, you need a button, you need a an yeah, ending. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that is one of the difficulties of this adaptation, which does draw into question, you know, the, the eternal uh, struggle about, like, how much can you adapt your source material? Um, yep. Very, and very true. How much can you adapt it to the medium you're working in? Um, yeah. Like, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever experienced the Spitfire Grill, the musical? No, it's a it's a it's a real popular community theater piece because it's got like five girls and two guys. Um, right. OK. It's I won't go into it too much, but it's about a, a uh, like released felon who worked for the like in jail, worked the like state tourism board phone lines. Um, right. And so knew a lot about like all the good places to go. And so decides to move to this tiny, tiny, sleepy town that she knows must be beautiful because she's described it all the time. Um, okay. and like gets taken in by this spinstress who owns the Spitfire Grill. Um, and you know, kind of her like coming back to real life. Um, and you know, kind of she has bonding moments with this old lady and there's a love story and all these sorts of things. It's based on a movie. Um, in both the movie and the musical, the lady who owns the grill auctions it off to a person who can write the best, uh, you know, description of something. I don't remember the details, but like, you know, write, uh-huh. write in, you know, the reasons why you should own this grill and I'll give it to you. Right. In the musical, of course, the person who wins is the former convict and they celebrate and it's great. In the movie, uh, the girl goes i think she goes chasing after some kid i forget what and drowns in a river and dies wow and that's the end of the movie right and i was working on the musical once and i was like huh i should watch the movie and watch it was like oh well that's just an entirely different ending yes completely different um and you see this sort of stuff all the time yeah with movie Particularly to musical adaptations. In musical theater, right. yeah. And so I wonder, you know, if given the chance, if they would change their ending. I know, and perhaps this is a good transition, because according to this West End revival libretto, yes. they did not change the ending. Although they did change lots of other things that I found. They changed the song. Yes, a couple of them. Well, they changed the finale. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um to make it more it's it's a very similar vibe mm-hmm. but it's much more in line with what the film is yes it's because like both songs both songs they do both end very kind of relaxed mm-hmm. you know what i mean they're very nice chill songs um but the broadway version um opens with uh this really like minor character uh the thing it the, the um, uh concierge yes yeah um you know she starts to sing it and then they all join in it's called choose from heaven for some point of view yeah Uh, and that's all well and good it's a lovely song but it's a weird ending it's a weird ending and weird ass ending um but then in the west end version Mm -hmm. uh it brings it back to where the film is where it's 
more of this just nice conversation mm-hmm. between women, all of them between this time, women. basically. Yeah. Um, but talking about the view from the balcony, which is, is how yeah. the film ends. Yeah. Um, so I think in that respect, that's that kind of makes more sense. Now, does that is that the correct button that right. makes it like, ah, yeah, perfect. Well, it is interesting. Uh-huh. I've only skimmed through this, um, mm-hmm. but there are, like, they use the taxi driver a lot more as a narrator in the yes. West End version. Very um, much so. And, like, and this is a question I have. In the first number now in the West End revival, we introduce um, Iban's wife and say, this yes. is his wife, right? Yep. In the Broadway version, Patty Lapone has a big hat and is, like, the mysterious woman through like yep. the first half of Act One, which yep. is is intriguing and exciting and also confusing, um, yeah. and so I wonder, you know, where, like, I don't know, was this production successful? Um, probably a little bit more successful <laughs> than, <laughs> than the, the Broadway, Broadway one, um, but I think there might be just more uh, in it that was a bit stranger yeah so i need to talk about the accents Mm, uh uh-huh of the london production yeah so they sing in their they sing and speak in their own accents in like traditional british yeah huh tams and greg's there chatting in you know london yeah rp uh candela is like very yeah north london you know i mean it's it's fascinating yeah it's so peculiar and what i wonder because Mm. there's so much all of well a lot of the edits that they've done Mm -hmm. you can and the things that they've taken out and the things that they've put in Mm -hmm. you can tell it it's been in response to all of the reviews basically that they got right like they 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 focus grouped it yeah oh completely the the basically just took all those negatives and they were like, right, we can fix that with that. We can fix that with that. We'll have more narration. We'll take out this song that's, you know, fluffy. Um, We'll give her less of a metaphorical song and much more of a specific one. Um, Yeah, because, for example, with uh, Lucia, Mm -hmm. uh, they take out... um, the bound down the sound stop. Oh yeah, uh, right. Time stood uh, still. Yeah, which is a great pile of Pone moment. Right, right. Um, that's not in it, and it gets replaced with a song called "It's Me." Yeah, um, which is it's a similar event. So she's going through the stuff, and she's listening to a record, um, and uh, she like hears Ivan uh, singing to her, mm-hmm. and then she sings back at him. So it ties them together. A yeah. lot more. Yeah, yeah, Whereas, yeah. you know, if you weren't following the book and then suddenly she's singing, you don't necessarily realise how much of a history they have right. until much later on. Yes. So it puts right at the start, like, Peppa's in love with Ivan. And it so sets up the their singer. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you know, it's just it's this kind of flag post. Is it a better song? Absolutely not. Yeah. It's much worse. It's very right. simple and not very exciting. Yeah. Um, But it's much more of a signpost. Yeah. Um. And that's a shame. Yeah. Well, I wonder, hmm, you know, it's nine years later, like, our audience is smarter now. Can we count on, you know, a... Well, I think we've talked about this before. I'm sure we have, because that's, you know, Great Comet and the... Well, no, I think we talked about it 
and it's always something I always hesitate saying because it's probably not correct in any way. Um, but about West End audiences mm, we compared have to Broadway audiences, yes. Um, and I think it was in Hades time that we talked about this, yeah, potentially. Um, and it's not necessarily the West End musical theatre audiences. Mm-hmm. It's the West End play audiences mm-hmm. who are a lot more open to your wanky art mm-hmm. and your, you know, yeah. metaphorical songs and things right. like that. Um, it, you know, they would be the ones that were like, oh, we only really see Sondheim. We don't, we don't see... Right, we don't need to go see Mamma Mia. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like they could probably take on the original yeah. as it is yeah. and hopefully get something out of it. Um, I don't know if the uh the broadway audience i don't know i don't, that's that's yeah. their broad strokes um but, but hard hard to say like the people who are going to see beetlejuice would not enjoy women on the verge yeah which it, but it's it's weird though because like it's not high art no it, it, i mean it's it's a it's a bedroom farce like yeah. It is, you know, uh, uh, don't dress for dinner or, you know, rumors. Like, yeah, it's nothing like it is clever in its construction, but not in its conceit. Ooh, I like that. Um, That was good. That was very good. And so it makes you wonder, like, the the much of the jokes much of the like laugh out loud jokes result are like, you know, potty humor, age or boob jokes. Yeah. Right? Um, so who knows? It's an I know. In, it's interesting. It's an interesting clash of like... The, the accent thing baffles me too because it is an interesting clash of cultures and like different... What I would qualify as cultural ideologies. Um, yes. Which is a tricky tightrope to walk. Um, yes. But I think one that is interesting to talk about around this show. Absolutely. So let's talk about it. Let's you do it. walk around scratching your head and repeating your phony. And the question is, which would you rather be totally tangled or totally lonely? That's a thought you can keep in your mind. That's a knot you can try to unwind. That's a thing to be sure to remind yourself when you fall in the same kind of find yourself. And you lose yourself and you find yourself tangled up, tangled up, tangled up, tangled up. Weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I wonder if one of these days, right, uh-huh. um, we're going to talk about uh, race and representation in theater, and we're going to come across the answer. Um, you know, we'll keep searching. <laughs> it's the, like, million monkeys writing, right. you know, working yeah. in the typewriter, and one of them writes. Yeah, will, we, will we find the solution? Um, when I think... One of the fascinating and interesting things specifically about Women on the Verge um, it, like, is exemplified in the – so the, the English translation of the Spanish-language movie title, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, is yes. technically incorrect. Yes. Um, the, the Spanish title is Mujeres al Poder de un Antique de Nerv- Nervios. Pardon my sophomore level Spanish. Well well done. You dove right in there. (laughs) But the Antique de Nervios is a, and like this, this is a a thing I I know is a medical condition, is a medical term listed in the DSM, the Mm -hmm. diagnostic something, something like this is where, you know, all, all different medical terms are listed and more literally translates to an attack of nerves as opposed to a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And is a kind of Latino cultural concept that is different from a nervous breakdown. And it yeah. is kind of feminine in connotation. Um, and, you know, perhaps might be more equitable to what Europeans would term the vapors. Um, the vapes, yeah. The vapes, right? Um, but uh, louder. Hysteria. Hysteria, right. Um, and not, like, it's in, it's untranslatable, so we can't get to exactly. the right term, but we can talk yeah. around it a little more. And so... And female hysteria doesn't exist. Like, that's right. Like, and yeah. so already we're, like, mired in a bunch of chauvinism, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, the... I would wager the original movie uses that frankly chauvinistic term intentionally because it is blowing apart this conceit of like of course these women seem crazy because they're going through all this shit um uh you look at the like even lucia's um story arc and like that she was committed to a mental mental institution because of the craziness she was driven to by ivan um and like not because she's crazy but because this was a terrible, terrible thing. And we're looking yeah. at it through this comedic eye and through this black comedy eye. And so already, from the moment you've seen the billboard, the you know, the the card above the theater, mm-hmm. we're coming at this concept through a couple different lenses that are yeah. mired through what are frankly translation errors. Yeah. Um which is, you know, the first question is like, is that okay? Mm-hmm. And then I think I think the answer is like yes. I think the the answer is like we get as close as we can. Oh, well, I mean completely because we we have to. Yeah, but you then the, I mean? the second question, which is one, I think we've 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 maybe danced around, but I, I especially with you with us being on either side of the ocean, mm. but talking about these you know different uh you know nationalistic and culturalistic touchstones mm-hmm. that often come out in stories that don't quite make it 
to, you know, we talked about it last time with ragtime. Um, yep. You know, don't quite make it or do quite make it. Or, you know, uh, like transposing these different cultural touchstones to different cultures and how that happens and where where the border is between you know appropriate examination of the other and stereotyping of the other um you know and in our you know multilingual internet connected society nowadays we run into this stuff more and more and more and more Mm -hmm. um i was listening to a tech podcast the other day that was going through all of the um uh like netflix originals in and not just netflix originals but like all sorts of television shows that were produced in certain countries that have become ridiculously popular in other countries right how that happens right now like the great british bake-off is now ridiculously popular in america Hmm. and why right is it because of the content of the show or because of some assumption we make about the quaintness of british people well exactly that's the thing is i think you know they watch it for different reasons right very much like for us bake off is great it's an institution yeah and it's it's just we like it because it's a refreshing reality tv show because it's very behooving and yeah empowering yeah and it's it's people still getting eliminated but they get big hugs it's lovely exactly but i know for a fact across the pond everyone's watching it being like oh my gosh they say soggy bottom i know right and like (laughs) and i you know full disclosure i've watched several seasons um it's great and part of it is because it's a wholesome nice break in my day and part of it is because i want to hear the funny thing mary berry is gonna say in a british accent yeah exactly 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 and like it's you know I think it's more difficult nowadays to get on tr- get in trouble online for your assumptions about British people, um, mm-hmm. but when you start bringing other cultures, other nationalities, whatever kind of phrasing we want to put around these different peoples, absolutely into it, it gets a little tricky. You know, yeah. are are we assuming through a certain reading of this show that like Spanish women are crazier, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, completely. I, I, I don't think so, and I think this show handles it in appropriate, well manner, and because it is such an accurate depiction of the legitimate, you know, Spanish language, Spanish produced entirely Spanish film, that mm-hmm. it is honest and natural. But totally, when it gets produced in you know Duluth, I worry that sometimes some of that might go away. A little bit like this is a very tricky thing which even i think relates to just the accent discussion about producing it on the west end yeah completely it is it's totally fascinating because i think you watch you watch it in any whether it's the film or the musical mm-hmm. um it i don't think it does feel insincere i think the characters are relatable particularly peppa yeah um and you know it, you could put it in any context, like put the story in any mm-hmm. other country. For sure, yes. And I think it would be the same story, and it would be, you know what I mean? There's nothing about it that is intrinsically Spanish. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing about it that's particularly Castilian. Yeah, I I agree. I would wager that where, I think the where the musical is a bit on a tight, on a bit of a tightrope, mm-hmm. is that it opens up with a song called Madrid is My Mama. Um, completely but all i would say for that is 
it opens you up into that because it's like this is the world that we're living in but madrid could be london madrid could be glasgow madrid could be new york it's just big city life i don't think it's nice because he doesn't say anything like oh it's the fountain in the square that makes me feel like this do you know what i mean it's just the hustle and the bustle yeah and every day you wake up and it's a new thing do you know what i mean there's there's Madrid is my mama. Give me the nipple every day. I'm going to taste it. The tears and the drama. Ten tons of mama milk and not a drop is wasted. There's there's some, like, feminine imagery in here that I'm mm-hmm. at the very least curious about. But then, I, I, to me, that doesn't read, though, as, like, oh, Madrid being female. Like, again, you could say it wouldn't sound as good, but... Glasgow is my mum. That's fair. <laughs> you know That's I mean? fair. Yeah. Because it, it, it's just, it, again, it's just that metaphor. Like, to be honest, I actually find Madrid a really interesting song. A, because it's a, the opening and yes, you're setting up your world. Yeah. Right? Your world building. Um, But the the metaphor is peculiar. The metaphor is peculiar and it it's is very just... peculiar. It is not, it, like, we don't need to... Compare it to, say, something like Iowa Stubborn from Music Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is useful to know the mentality of the chorus in the Music Man. Mm-hmm. We need to know that generally these people are difficult to get along with and yep. stuck in their ways. That is important to the story. Yep. There's not a lot in Madrid is My Mama that is mm, crucial. Set up. And yeah. again, that's actually that's something that got changed a bit for London. There's mm. a few lyric changes in there that do bring it into this more, uh, this idea of more, um, your whole life can change in a day. Yeah. That kind of vibe. Every day you wake up and it's a whole new day yeah. and you don't know what's coming. That yeah. that kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think like, it, 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 to me, it just kind of opens up this idea of women. Yeah. Like this show is about women. We're focusing on female here. We have a man talking about his mother. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's mummy issues here. It's not daddy issues. Yeah. How do you feel about the representation of women in this musical? I go back and forth, Tommy. I go really back and forth. It's, yeah. it's, um, I, I, again, I think it's one of those things like, I'm not the person to talk about it. Right. Exactly. Clearly. Being, um, having a penis and being yeah. a man. Um, like, for me, I don't, you know, I mean, there's times obviously where I'd be like, well, that's shocking. You know, all these, there, there's such broad strokes, all these women are crazy, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you're like, that's, you know, such shame. Or, you know, looking at it from the perspective of um, everyone's in love with Ivan. Right. Uh, you know, Marcos is uh, having it off with anyone. Yeah. Like these bastarding men. But then the ending happens. Right. And you're like... I've- Oh, I think the ending is like thank God, you know, Peppa doesn't get back with him. Like exactly, and like exactly. clearly, you know, and as the movie's written, um, but like if that had happened, this would not, I, this would not be a show I would want to talk about, like full stop, right? Yeah. Um, because he's terrible. Um, yeah. but I do struggle with the fact that like he's terrible and very charismatic as written, you know. He yeah he is, but I think that's the point because if he wasn't. Yeah. You wouldn't get why. You wouldn't yeah. get why Lucia drove herself insane. Sure. You wouldn't get why Peppa is dri- currently driving herself insane mm-hmm. um, to get to that point. 
uh of of wanting him yeah you know what i mean because he is like he is made out to be this philandering jackass right yeah. as much as he is charismatic and yeah. delightful it's it's you know it's yeah. brian stokes mitchell i absolutely and he does like he does a fantastic job um yeah you know i part of me wishes there was just at least one like because most of his dickish moves in this musical end with you being like, oh, you, and, like, putting your hand on your hip and be like, you silly boy. That's uh-huh. a that's a silly – you look at how silly you are. And, like, I wish we saw at least just one moment of him being actually, you know, the asshole he is deep down inside. But it's not even in the film that doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's just, like he's barely in the film, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I quite, I also quite like because it's is this uh, you know all he kind of does is exist in the end of this phone line, right? And then if he comes close to seeing Peppa, he's away, right? He's just that mystery man, basically. Yeah. Um, and what they do in the musical, mm-hmm. I think it, it sort of flows along a similar line. Obviously, he's in it a lot more. Yeah, he needs to have a, a character there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think he needs the out and out jackass moment because you're getting the sense from everyone else mm-hmm. that he's a jackass. Even the way that he, you know, goads Marcos into, uh, you know, um, doing like this is how you get women. Right. This is how you, you know. Let the, me show uh, you what is it? The microphone. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. It's an assholey thing to do. It's like, oh God, here he is take, turning another one. Right. Um, because you're on the ride with Peppa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know I mean, you're not on the ride with Ivan. And there's yeah. no moment of like, oh, Ivan, that's a nice thing that you, you know, you know what I mean? Right. There's no. He doesn't, he doesn't have a redeeming, as much as he doesn't have a demonizing moment, he also never has a redeeming moment. That's exactly. Fair. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and actually, one of the things I would say that the musical might might even do better than the film, mm-hmm. but I guess you know, might not make sense because it's right, the, different um, media's. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the character of Lucia, mm-hmm. I think you get a lot more from her in the musical than you do in the film. Oh yeah. In the film, she just kind of she is a bit of a flash in the pan. Is this she is just this crazy woman mm-hmm. who overreacts to everything and then grabs a couple of guns, right, and, goes and then running. gets arrested. Like yeah. that's yeah. that's kind of her story. Yeah. Um, whereas you see a lot more of her backstory in the musical. Yeah. yeah. And I, the, how she got to this point. You know? I love, and I'm sh- I'm sure it's just a Patty Lapone choice, but that she mm. sings the title song as a narrator at the end of act one um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. around and like as this kind of omniscient around these other women who are experiencing being on the verge for the first time um yeah. and like she's like oh oh honey i've been there this is what it's like hey, you know get ready we're gonna stand on some ropes and they absolutely could have structure wise just had the taxi driver sing that song right uh, absolutely he could have come back in and been like and here's you know to be continued right um but it is important to have her, Lucia, entirely step out of the story for maybe, you know, one of the only moments in the entire show where she does this, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. at least as explicitly, um, and just narrate the action um, and and get us into this song and take us out of, you know, On the Verge takes place basically in limbo. I mean, it takes place on a bunch of high-flying ropes above the stage. Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> but, like, it, and we take a break from the story for a second to talk about what's happening very clearly in these it is it's minds. that kind of like record scratch moment yeah 
Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, how did I get you back? Yeah. And, and that, that, Lu- that like, Lucia brings us there and that it is like all of them and none of the men. Like, yeah, the totally. men, the men get a break during the act one finale. Yep. 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 And if the finale finale as yeah, well, which true. Is, is lovely. Um, so yeah. Representation of women. Is it, is it the best? Probably not. Probably no. not. I, I mean, but, if if we did it, if, if it hit the Tonys today, I think we'd be having similar conversations around it in style as we do about Tootsie right now. Um, yeah. Um, but you compare it to something like Nine. Yeah, for sure. Where it's a bunch of women fawning over one man. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you're rooting for this man. Like, it, this is... It's a much, uh, a much better a, step. Yeah. It's a lot of women working it out yeah and that's and good that's a good thing it's a good thing and like certainly doesn't pass the bechdel test um mm-hmm. at all i don't think there are any conversations i don't think there's a single line in the show that's not about men um maybe about a raisin um that might be the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the only that that might be it uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 you're, you're probably right but in you know our like that's a lie that's the, a lie. The ending. The, final the ending. True. Oh, of course. Of course. Yes. Isn't that nice? That is nice that we can kind of end. Because that, that makes sense. Yeah. That we've okay. kind of put this behind it. You know, you've you've. This is why it's a hard one, but I think you've turned me more. I, at the beginning of this conversation, I would have been more on the side of this isn't the best representation of women. Yes. And yes. And I guess I would still say I don't think this is the best representation of women. No. But it has some redeeming qualities. It does. And I think for a farce, for melodrama, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it does the job as best as it can. Oh, yeah. Name, <laughs> name, a, name a bedroom farce that has good representation of women. I'll wait. Oh, God. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. At yeah. no point is anyone in a negligee. Yeah, right? And I think that's something to be celebrated. Well, there, there is a point where when the cops walk in and uh, Laura Benanti turns to the cops and uh, Peppa's like, distract them. And she like just drops her dress. So, well, <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> but she's using her sexual wiles. She is using her sexual wiles, which I think she does. I, th- I honestly, Absolutely. frankly, I think uh, Candela, Candela. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, is, a very powerful feminine character um, yeah. in the same way that like Elle Woods takes some stereotypes and turns them on their head. Totally. Like, you know, yes, I am this, but that is not all I am. Um, yeah. And like these, these stereotypes that you, that men have created to put women down can be powerful. Absolutely. You don't really quit. You know, I mean, they don't really ever go into the fact that it's like, Oh, you're an airhead because you're a model. Right. She, she she gets it out of the way very quickly in model yeah. behavior, which is like, I'm a model, so I feel things differently than most people typically yeah. do. Yeah. And I fully think that she believes that. And yeah. I think that's well, absolutely fine. And, and she spends the whole act one being like, listen, my boyfriend's a terrorist and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. And then spends a lot of act two being like, hey, I really think I like him, but I'm kind of nervous that he's going to blow up the courthouse. And that's a difficult circle to square. Absolutely. Which, you know, it would be so, like, only a, a couple differences, and she's a total, you know, a total stereotype of a bimbo throwaway character. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. She's the maid in Noises Off, I can't remember her Right, name, exactly. Um, and she doesn't have to be that in this. She certainly is, you know, tinges of that and flavors of that. Uh-huh. 
but is intelligent, is smart. You know, even just giving her the patter song, even though we talked earlier about her, you know, vocabulary not being as metaphorical as yeah. Peppa's, it is still fast paced and clever. Um, and like, you know, she she only has a couple moments of airheadedness and therefore, you know, farcical comedy's sake. It is not the starting well, it is not the the legitimate core of her character. It might be the starting Ex- point of her character, and then you explore more and you see what's down e- in there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think, yeah, I've changed my mind. I think it's decent. Yeah. But, you know, we're two men. So what do we represent? Exactly. Peppa, are you there? Are you there? Are you okay or not there? But we need to talk. My stomach's aching like I swallowed some enormous rock. I'm at the phone booth on the corner and have only got a minute. Cause I'm running out of change cause I've been lending all my money to my leak. God knows what man, I'm not exactly on a lucky streak. But this one really is a mess, I think I'm gonna freak. I know you say I'm an alarmist, but I'm not remembered. There's that time I thought I saw a spider. You said man's a raisin, but it suddenly started moving and it crawled over and bit me on the toe. So if you're gonna stand in judgment, that's how much you know. It's a good thing I didn't eat it, but I never would have eaten it, cause I never did like raisins, so why would there be a raisin on the floor? So when you hear this, call me back, I'll wait a little more. I'll be at 773, damn, they scratched out the number, and misspelled vagina. Alright, I'm hanging up, I'll call you back. What, but I, what I do want to talk about, though, while we're mm. on the, the tricky stuff, yeah, is, so I can't remember if I've spoken to you about this or not, mm. so stop me if I have. Okay. Um, I had a conversation with one of my friends in work, mm. right, where we were talking about accents, mm. right, and yeah. doing accents, mm-hmm. and is that racist? I have, I, I, I work at a school, um, and I shadowed our middle school drama teacher one day, sat through all of her classes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> wonderful teacher. Been teaching there for a long time. And I got to sit in on her middle school lesson about accents. Yeah. And I have never seen a more sensitive and appropriate approach to that topic, especially geared towards, you know, what, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, mm-hmm, 12, mm-hmm. 12, 13, 14-year-olds, um, about how it was very much couched in, we live in a world where people speak different languages, and we are different, and we come from different places, and people sound different. People mm-hmm. you know might sound different. People mm-hmm. across America sound different. And one of the things we're trying to do on stage is bring voice to other people, right? Yeah. We are embodying other people, and we want to do that authentically. And so it feels appropriate to embody the literal voice that other people would have if you're trying Mm -hmm. to also bring their more metaphorical voice to the surface. If you're trying to, you know, like bring to light their story or whatever that is. Um, But that that can be a tricky thing then because then that expands the topic into, well, what is the story you're telling about this other person? Mm -hmm. And that becomes the determining factor in whether or not the accent you've chosen is, you know, whatever word you want to choose, appropriate. Um, 
acceptable, not racist. Um, And it's a tricky line to draw, and it is not cut and dry, and people are going to get it wrong. Um, But, you know, it's the difference between um, a, you know, a black face performer putting on a, a stereotypical you know black accent in the 20s and yes. someone putting on a wyoming accent doing the laramie project right yes um even if you're putting on a wyoming a wyoming accent in the laramie project to like play a gay bashing felon right there are lots and lots of layers to this that mm-hmm. i think are in, an important part of the discussion. And of course, mm-hmm. then the discussion calls into effect, you know, like, sh- should, like, this is a play filled with a bunch of Spanish characters. Is everyone who played these Spanish characters Spanish? Some of them, kind of, maybe, maybe not. How, like, is there an authenticity challenge there? Ooh, heart, mm, right? You know, we talked about this within the Heights, yeah? Yeah. And, like, I think a lot of that conversation comes down to, like, did. You know, what was your casting process like? Mm-hmm. Did you seek out, you know, authentically Spanish performers in it? Did you just mm-hmm. take names? Does it, you know, were you just open to everyone? Um, like, I don't know if there is good answers to these things mm-hmm. because it's difficult. Because we live in one of the few um, professions that still, like, down and out segregates and like makes employment decisions full on on the basis of gender and ethnicity and all sorts of what other professions would call protected classes. Yep. And the way we get around that is by making sure auditions are open to everyone and there have been some wonderful things that have happened because of that. Yes. But but still we live in a world where you can write like, you know, 40 something woman on your casting call and like you're going to turn away men. Or vice versa, right? Yeah. And people don't generally raise a fuss over that. Should mm-hmm. they? Maybe. Maybe not. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I think accents, you know, are, are mired in all of this. Yeah. Because you are impersonating another person. You know, Women on the Verge is maybe one of the most interesting ones to discuss around this because it is already a, a tale of dubbing. You know, like, they don't mm-hmm. go into it in detail in the musical, and you can tell me if they do in the film. I imagine they don't, but, like... Not really, it's just at the start. It seems like. and it, but in theory, they're dubbing English-language films in Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because lots of popular films come out of Hollywood, which is an English-speaking locale, and is yeah. there anything wrong with dubbing them in Spanish? No, absolutely mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. right? Of course we want this art to go in other places. Then flip that on its head. Is there anything wrong with taking what was a Spanish language film, basically translating it to English and then musicalizing it and bringing it to an English speaking audience? Yeah. You know, it's. But then when Mm -hmm. you're doing that, are you doing it with a Spanish accent? Right. Or not. Or are you doing it in your native accent? And which one is more inappropriate? Exactly. Is a really interesting question. Are you and taking it away from Spain or are you right. empowering Spain, but maybe badly? Right, exactly. You know, how, how accurate is your accent too? Like, yeah. can you do a bad job? You know, we've talked about this with Americans doing British accents and yeah. the, the Olivia performance of Hamilton, 
where they're yep. doing, you know, just not quite right American accents. Exactly, exactly. It was just little things that were wrong. Um, yeah, I just, find it, I just find it eternally fascinating because I'm someone, I love accents. I love learning them. I love looking at the intricacies yeah. um, of them. Uh, I, fi- I just find it utterly fascinating. Yeah. Um, and at no point am I ever doing it in a mocking right. way. Do yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. Um, I, it's it's literally like a, a chameleon. You know, I mean, anyone will say something to me, and at some point during that conversation, I'll repeat something that they say back to them in an attempt of doing their accent because I'm just trying to form it in my mouth. Do you know what I mean? Right. I'm just a curious person. Yeah, like it's that. it's a it's a uh, like a voice exercise. It, it genuinely is, and it's just curiosity, and it's just excitement. It, yeah. I just I find it really really exciting. Um, but yeah, when I was having this conversation with my friend, it. it Started off, we were talking about um, Indian accents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, we, I, I don't really know what it's like in the States, but we have uh, certainly in Glasgow, mm-hmm. uh, we've got a large um, contingent of Indian or Pakistan mm-hmm. uh, people. Uh, and there's, you know, because that's been that way for a long, long time, there's actually this really interesting kind of like blend of yeah. uh, Pakistani accent and the Glaswegian accent. Oh, that's fascinating. That's become its own kind of thing. Um, and, I, you know, I mean, I'm obsessed with that because yeah. that is so cool. That is, you know, culture. That's yeah. pure culture there. Um, and obviously I would love to learn how to produce that from my own mouth. Right. Absolutely. But the second I'm doing that, people are like, you're racist. Mm. See, and I'm like, I, I see, I see the point, right? I totally right. see the point. Yeah. But you know, if, and I, again, I don't know if this is right. And I don't know if this is a horrible argument to make, but if I was born in India mm. and I grew up having Indian, like native Indian friends, right. Right. Say it was, it was Delhi or something. Yeah. I would probably speak in an Indian accent. Yeah. So white. I'm still Caucasian. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. To well, to the point. The act. So to me, accent and race. Oh, there's so it is so mired, and accent yeah. and race and culture and location, and mm-hmm. we conflate all these things and don't draw strict lines between them because it's hard to draw strict lines between them. But yep. because they are mired, it becomes problematic. Um, yep. I have a, a friend now um, who he is the son of uh, missionaries who moved to Africa like yeah. 60 years ago, was yeah. born in Africa, you know, white as a sheet, um, is legitimately an African-American <laughs> in that he is from Africa and lives in America. Yeah. But... African-American has become shorthand for black people. Yeah. Um, inaccurately so in a lot of cases. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> um, but, you know, it is hard. It is, all of these lines are, are difficult to go through. And I think you're right. Like, the the combining, of, as, as an example of the Glaswegian and the Indian accent, is uh-huh. culture. In the same way that, like, bringing this intranslatably titled Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown to an English-speaking audience is culture, you know, in in the way that, like, we are crossing these cultural boundaries in a way where we can, like, look at the differences and talk about the differences and acknowledge Mm -hmm. the differences without, like, making jokes or putting down the differences. And, like, I think that is the thin tightrope to walk 
Are exactly. you are you being respectful? Are you not breaking it down? Are you not um, you know m- making it less than just because it is different? Um, yeah. You know, and then embracing the fact that it combining with you is something special and something exciting. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's hard to do, and that's you know hard. It to is. Do. It's it's one of those eternal eternal because everyone will have different thoughts on it, and everyone will have different feelings. Right. Um. Because it even comes down to like if I'm pronouncing candela yeah i'm pronouncing that in a, a spanish accent because right. it's a spanish word yeah <laughs> the fact that we've been saying ivan and not ivan exactly right you know i mean because to me all i'm doing is i'm being respectful of the yeah language that yeah. it's from if you know we don't call it les miserables right exactly we call it les, well, les miserables i call like, it les miserables sometimes um but like even you're in a fool. i know um <laughs> Even in the because I would, I was going through this libretto, which is also mm. man, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, I was just looking around. I don't know where this came from or if it's accurate or not, but it also has because it is the West End version. It yeah. has um, uh, British helper text to tell you what these words mean. Like oh, at one good. point, uh, at one point they say someone says, "I did the math," and in brackets it says "maths" with an S to oh tell God. you like, "Oh no, they mean maths here." Um, <laughs> there's. Uh, 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 Peppa says to Candela, you're the smartest model I know, which, so, and this one I really had to unpack. Uh-huh. If I say smartest in like British English, oh, okay, I yes. mean like smart and proper and like dutied up, right? Yeah. But smartest in American English says, as listed here in brackets, cleverest. Yeah. Um, and like, that's silly. It's, oh, so is that's math and maths. Hairs. Like, yeah, you could splitting hairs, right? But the math and maths, I'm sure they're saying like, no, no, no. They would say math. Yes, not there's maths. No, there's nothing messed out there, right? Yeah. Um, and like, there are a couple, and this is in the Broadway version too. Um, Lucia has a line where she calls. Uh, uh, she says, um, "I'll have you know, your puta just chased me through the streets." Um, right. Okay. And puta is a Spanish word. Um, yeah. And means like whore. Or, you know, prostitute. Um, Like, it's not a kind word. um, But is untranslated to give it... And, like, In the Heights does this. But, Uh you know, they might be blending Spanglish in real life. Whereas here we're doing it. And it is saying, like, no, no, no. These characters are speaking Spanish to you. And this is... Or speaking Spanish to each other. And this is how we're telling you, English audience, that we've kind of just put, like, the Doctor Who translators in our ears Mm -hmm. so that you Mm -hmm. can understand this. Exactly. Um, because at, correct me if I'm wrong, and if there is, it'll be one or two words, but there's barely any Spanish. There's not a the, lot. The soundtrack and the um, music. Yeah, no, there's not, you know, there if could. There is any. Do you know, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Which I is, don't think there is. There, there, like, to the point where there could be so much more and you would still understand it, right? Like, yeah. if, they, if they wanted to. And I think. You know, I wonder if that just has more to do with the fact that like David Yazbek doesn't speak Spanish, um, you know, uh-huh. or yeah, like it doesn't doesn't write in Spanish. Um, yeah, of course, doesn't of think course. that way. That you know, someone like Lin-Manuel Miranda might be able to pull a Spanglish rhyme <coughs> that is more interesting than just yeah, a pure. It's already in his vernacular, exactly. It's, and so, yeah, already things he's using. He can he can um, think bilingually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just find it, and then obviously the West End production throws a whole different slant on that because they're all speaking their native accent and it's not not everyone's english so the um guy playing the taxi driver Mm -hmm. is uh spanish or certainly of uh spanish 
Spanish origin. descent or Spanish it's language Ricardo speaking, Alfonso. right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he speaks, and actually, now that I'm looking at it, <laughs> I forgot about this. So Wilhelmine, um, I, I don't know how to say her last name properly, um, but she's one of like the the biggest alphabets that's ever existed. Oh, okay. Um, and she is uh, Dutch, I think. Ah, but she doesn't speak in a Dutch accent, right? Yeah. So what's going on there? Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah the guy who plays Ivan um, right. is the same guy. You'll know him. Uh, you've seen the Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, like made for TV movie, not the movie not the recent movie. one, but the uh, yes, yes, the like contemporary one. Yeah, like that's set in like the early two thousands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's the guy who plays Judas. Is the guy who mm. plays Ivan? Yes. Okay. With a very distinctive vibrato. Yes. Um, he's French, and it's fascinating. But he right? speaks. <laughs> but he you know speaks. I mean? so, yeah. It's, <clears throat> so in the 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 fact though that the taxi driver and it's weird though of all of the characters to speak in a, a Spanish accent to sing right. in a Spanish accent, right? Because um, that's crucial as well. They're not. They don't sing. In yeah. Spanish, they're, they're still just keep that in their native. Right. Um, is really interesting because it keeps the flavor of it. Yeah, right. Rooted if, in Spain, well, it just it, it feels like if they switch to their English accent, it's just going to pull you out of the story. Um, but yeah, but that's the thing is with this story. Yeah, it doesn't need to be Spain. Yeah, for sure. The only thing is to do with the whole terrorism storyline. Yeah. Because that's an issue in Madrid. Yes. But like, I mean, even, you know, it does even get more complicated because at least in the Broadway version, uh, they correctly pronounce Ivan's name with a Spanish, Spanish Madridian Uh accent, which would be different from, say, a Mexican Spanish accent. Accent. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely, um, and and a lot of the stuff I think goes back and forth between what is and isn't appropriate. But then you know where like does it become disrespectful to do a Mexican Spanish accent? I know exactly because it's completely different. Yeah, and and you know I haven't listened super closely with that in the back of my brain, but I'm sure Patty Lapone gets it wrong a thousand times, right? Most likely, <laughs> I mean, you know, if if her if her German here again gone again war paint accent is anything to go by, exactly. I mean, her British accent, her know. her anything accent, yeah. Um, um you know, but so, no one's like there's there's I'm no had this dream, you see, right? There's no <laughs> big think piece on Vox.com about mm-hmm. like. Is Patty Lapone secretly American racist because she doesn't respect? Like, no, exactly. of course not. She's just bad at accents. Yep, right. Um, yep. You know, it, it it is another intent versus impact yep. sort of thing, and needs to be approached with with I think sensitivity and yeah. reali- reality. I think that's it. I think that's all we you really can do. Yeah, is is to do that and just try i don't you know you'll always offend somebody true but as long as your intentions are correct you can sit pretty yeah when i think there are there are ways even i think there are ways even around that that like savvy 
you know, theater makers should be aware that they can do and things like that. Like, I think I might have mentioned this in our In the Heights episode. I'm sure I did because we talked about it. Um, We – the first time I did In the Heights was at a a north suburban Chicago school with Uh certainly, you know, a a vast mix of backgrounds and appropriately cast kids and Mm -hmm. not appropriately cast kids. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, speaking of cultural backgrounds or racial backgrounds or however you want to delineate it. And the director wrote a really nice note that was in the program that was like, hey, you know, this is a story that we think is important to tell and is about acceptance. And we do the best we can and that's all we can do. And in the context of a high school production, that's appropriate. In the context of a, you know, a Scottish production, that seems appropriate. You, You make do with what you have. So maybe in yep. the context of a West End production, if you're casting West End actors, maybe. Who knows? That's a hard one. I know. It is. It's fascinating. And I think, you know, I would hate to think that all we'll ever see in the West End is British yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because we don't have enough Spanish people to play the roles. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, yeah, <laughs> you talk for hours on it. I'm sure. It, it's hard. It's it's so hard because... Because mm-hmm. you, you know, lose out on so much culture. You, you lose, lose out, out on, on so much You lose out on so much. Right. But then also if the standard becomes that, like, we're trying really hard to cast appropriately, so we're going to pay for someone to come over from wherever mm-hmm. to live here for so long, and does that put a, a squeeze on the kind of stuff we produce? And then so do we mm-hmm. just produce very British-centric pieces because they're the kind of, you know? Yeah, totally. It's that's hard. That's really, really hard. I am I am uh inspired by the fact that we are becoming a more global theatrical space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in lots of directions. Mm-hmm. Um even things like, you know, Les Mis was produced first in French. Um yeah. you know, Wicked went to Japan. Like We are embracing each other's arts in truly commercial. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, no, they didn't bring uh, Les Mis over to America so that we could experience this deep, important piece of French literature. They brought it over so Cameron McIntosh could make a lot of money. Exactly. Um, But by the wayside, you get this kind of cross pollination of cultures, and that that is the sort of thing that can breed, you know, acceptance and oneness and whatever. Yeah kumbaya terms you want to put around it yeah all right i'm gonna put my soapbox away thank you um <laughs> i'll put mine away as well <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring out no doubt oh sense. man uh, i love i love it though because it is it's a constant conversation yeah and there's constantly things that will come into our world that will challenge it you yeah know what i mean for sure um and that's exciting. Isn't yeah. It? When it is, you know, one of the, the cool things about theater is that it is such a huge art of collaboration is that just by design, you have to have so many voices present. Yeah. And so then getting diverse voices in, in whatever way possible, you know, might not be perfect, but is better than, you know, a lot of other art out there that is stuck in like, well, this is just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. But this is just our opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and in a moment, love may vanish and turn to ashes suddenly. At least until I 
breakdown jimmy it was hooray do you feel like hope... you you've come I, back I from think... the edge i'm i'm off the edge i've climbed down it's all good <laughs> I'm, I'm calm now um i hope because i don't think a lot of our listeners no this one I, you doing today? I i had been aware of it and knew a couple songs off of it but this was a a new experience for me for this podcast and i'm glad it was it's part of my lexicon now yeah, totally. It's a really good cast recording. Yeah. Regardless of anything else, it's a lot of fun. It's really it, it's good, tunes. good, good songs. Fun to listen to. Worth a couple re-listens. Yeah. You find and a knockout stuff. cast. We've barely yeah. talked about that. Starring cast, like across the board. That's what a lot of reviews said. Like, how could you waste this much time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I still don't agree. Anyway, it doesn't <laughs> matter. We're moving on. What are we moving on to? Well, I have a quiz question that might eludicate <sighs> that a bit. Eludicate? Eludicate. Elucidate? Maybe. No, but if you I never... prefer eludicate. Run I don't. I think I used that word wrong, but I'm going to continue to use it incorrectly. I'm into it, even if it's not a word. Isn't eludicate what they put around your gums when you're getting dental work done? It is. <laughs> no, eludicate, according to Urban Dictionary, is to masturbate and subsequently ejaculate while riding on public transport. Well, so... that's not what this quiz question will do for you, hopefully. <laughs> but weirdly topical to do with the show (laughs) speaking of our quiz question this week which musical features a metallophone an accordion an auto harp an eru and a ukulele in its orchestration there can only be one i bet there's like 50 i know we're gonna learn all about them now Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, you absolutely can. You can come find me over on Twitter or Instagram at as in Hendrix. And I'm Musical Mash on Twitter and Musical Theater Mash on YouTube, or check out our show Twitter, Jim and Tomic, or our website, yes. jimandtomic.com. And that has a link to our Patreon page where you can come and uh, contribute if you so desire. That's absolutely fine. And we would appreciate it much. Tell your friends all about us please do but and we shall see you next next time. week next time 
<laughs> Don't you be time specific, boy. I will see you in the future. Or the past. Ooh. Tomorrow is a podcast. Today, tomorrow, and yesterday, the podcast happened. Ole. <laughs> <laughs> Farting balloon. Tremendous. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.